to center ice. Stopped by Roman Yossi. Yossi flips it in. Over to the left wing side. That shot. Riddich didn't hold the rebound. Rebound comes out now. Out at the left point. It is Ellis in that left circle. The shot flipped right on. And the score! How hot is this guy? How hot is the man they call Bones? Here is Sissons after the drop pass. Comes back for Watson. To Sissons and Watson. He scores! They never gave up on the play. Sissons and Watson had the first chance. Then the second chance was all they needed. And trying to go out to the blue line, stolen away. Predators have a two-on-one. Yarncroke takes the pass. His shot, he scores! Austin Watson set him up. Predators tally shorthanded. The puck was tipped there. Diving to tip it out. Here come the Predators two-on-one. Yarncroke with Yossi. Yarncroke scores! Kelly Yarncroke! Two shorties in one game. And folks, are you ready for dessert? Bonino for Eckholm. Two on two. Sissons. And Patton. Austin Watson puts it home. Monahan for Lindholm. Over to the right side. Given try to go right at the front and they score the tie it up. Backlund got a feed off to the left of Pecorine. And with 38.4 to go. Folks, I hope you took the overs. It's a 5-5 game. To the left board, curling across. Now the high slot shot stuck. And the rebound put in by Kachuk. Kachuk picked up a rebound and fired it in over Pecorine. And the Flames win it overtime, 6-5. Hold on. (laughs) Hold on. Uh Uh-uh. No, that, no. Welcome to the show. That that didn't happen. (laughs) That did not happen. Yes. Five four. That did not happen. I purposely, <laughs> purposely said, you know what? Good Friday, everybody. <laughs> I said, you know what? It's 4-1. This game, I'm turning it off. I'm going to bed. I'm t- I expected to walk in. Ooh, that's like a Stillman tweet. I expected to walk in 5-1. Pecker, you know, Predators win. Pecorina has another great night. You know, they improve their record. Mm-hmm. They dominate. Wait, wait. You're telling me just now you're... That's it. I, you just now learned? Yes, that they lost. I went to bed. Oh, I, I thought you were I, genuinely excited over the fact, because you just, as we're playing the, the montage, <laughs> D-Mace is jumping around smiling because Pete Weber makes a gambling reference. I yeah. hope you took the over. That's what I thought you, you know, were No, I heard that. Okay. No, that's what I thought. When he said, I hope you took the over, I'm like, what? Are you serious? <laughs> yeah, Nick reacted because he just... He just gets very aroused when other grown yes. men talk about gambling. Yeah. See, <laughs> see this, is, this is the this is the problem. And I'm sorry, Nick, because I know you, you you love you love to bring it in and kind of set up the show. Oh, I thought but, you were setting up a gambling reference. Yeah. I was like, hey, yeah. go be my guest. I know. But this is like, man, what, fired up. This is what I guess. This is what's going to be the problem here, from here on out, is that when the Predators get up four five one, you think, okay, it's done. Let me turn off television. Yeah, it's time what, to go to bed. That's what Stillman tweeted yesterday. Yeah, it's time well, to go to bed. Stillman thought it was over 10 minutes in. Oh, man. It was 2 nothing. He started tweeting the game's over, and now he's getting roasted. Yeah. Then I'll, I'll wake up, come to the show, and this is – wow. 6-5. Uh, yeah, they scored four goals in the third period. I, I will, I that will team admit, looked like they were dead in the water. I, I will admit that I t- at 4-1, uh, going into the third – I was dealing with a crazed lunatic of a three-year-old who was never up past 7 o'clock, got to watch a little hockey, and was hopped up on as much chocolate as she could stuff into her pie hole (laughs) 
<laughs> in like a 10 minute period of time. I'm serious, guys. She probably stuck 15 or 16 pieces of candy in her mouth back to back. She wasn't even finishing the one before to get to the next one. So she'd spit it out and like she's like, oh, I need to try another one. And it was she was so hopped up on sugar. So by the by the time the second period rolls around and it's four one, we've got damage control. We've got to f- take care of. So so I, I turn the I, I kind of mute the TV and go into the other room and start doing stuff to get the kids kid ready for bed and everything. Mm-hmm. I, I I look at tw- I open up Twitter like forty five minutes later, and and it's. Five to five? And I'm going, you got to be kidding me. Mm-hmm. And they scored four goals in the third period. And I don't think a single player was very happy after the game. No. no I mean, really, nor should very you Very upset. No, I, I totally agree. I you mean, you be, you blew you that lead. And uh, I watched a majority of that game. I got in from trick-or-treating about six minutes into the first period. So there's about 14 minutes to go. Predators had a one nothing lead, I believe, at the time. It was right before the second goal. And I don't know from watching that entire game last night if it was a if it was the Predators took their foot off the gas, if the Flames just didn't give in, or if it's a combination of both. But you lose that in that fashion. Look, in a long season, you're going to lose games. Uh, but the way you lost that game, and in my lifetime of watching either the Flyers or the Preds, I don't think I've ever seen a buzzer beater. I mean, they yeah. literally scored with with no time on the clock to win the game, and it was like. Giving up a touchdown as the clock expires, it was like Kawhi Leonard hitting a three-pointer against mm-hmm. the Sixers in Game 7 against the buzzer. I don't think I've ever watched a hockey game live buzzer beater. Two, two, two seconds on the clock officially. It was okay. four minutes, 58 seconds of overtime. So officially t- two seconds to go. But also, you know, Kachuk, Kachuk scoring both of the goals. But he also scored the, the game-tying goal with, what, 39 seconds to go in mm-hmm. the game? So they, they scored in the final minute of regulation and overtime to win that game. We we just talked about them playing arguably their best game against the Blackhawks, where it just seems like from offense, defense, power play, all the shifts, every, it was just a complete game. Pecorine was awesome in the net. The score should have been twenty to nothing, but instead it was three to nothing, um, and they played a complete game. This up until this point, and, and, and they got you know sixty something more games left, I believe um, seventy something more games left. But this has to be the worst defeat they've yeah, had all not, season. Not even close. Yeah, you're up four one going into the third period. Um, at home. At home. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, no, that's like that's like being down, you know, being up 21 points in the fourth quarter Basically. and then losing, yep. losing the game in overtime. And I know I know um, Pete Weber made the gambling reference there. And, you know, you hopefully you took the over and goals scored. But boy, if uh, and I'll, I'll, I'll wager on the Preds from time to time and I'll tweet it out. Hey, I'm on the Preds tonight. And boy, if you bet on the Predators last night, you're probably sitting back in your oh. chair four one cracking a beer up. Yep. I got myself a, myself a winning bet. That's a mm. tough way to lose a bet. That's a bad. That's a Scott Van Pelt bad beat. That is that's tough. Mm-hmm. That's tough. This is one they they will remember. This is one that you know you don't you don't put in the bag and just you know put in the trash. This is one you you look at. You got to hold on and, to it and you bit. study because that's it, it's a it's an epic breakdown. You gave up you know five goals. Um, it's, and it's a team effort, whether it be the goalie or the guys in front of them. Five goals in what twenty minutes? Yeah. Man, 
We, uh, yeah. we, we, we'll, we'll definitely continue. We'll do some more Preds in the next segment, but let's get to a couple of other things. Last night, A, trick-or-treating, B, a pair of football games. Can I just say that I love this, this city? Can I just say that I love the South? Of course. Mm-hmm. I, I go trick-or-treating, and we get to like the seventh house. We go around a corner, up through a cul-de-sac, and we're going down the hill, and the lady's giving out candy, and she's got her garage open, and she's got her two cars in the garage, mm-hmm. and the back wall of the garage was painted LSU. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I almost, yes. like, part of me said, God bless you, I love you. The other part of me was like, as a Bama dad, I almost wanted to hold my kid back and be like, you know, we're not going here, honey. We got, we got business to take care of in a couple of weeks. We don't take candy from those people. That is right. Let's go elsewhere. Oh, Ooh, wow. G-E-A-U-X. Yeah, yeah let's um, go. Boo. Um, that was my trick-or-treat. Boo, boo, boo. Uh, no, they... It, I live in East East Nashville, and they had uh, a couple of streets blocked off where they have like no they close off the road for traffic, so there's no cars, uh, which is really nice. And like everybody from all the surrounding streets kind of goes in. Um, there, there's one house though that's like two houses down from us that is so intense. I'm talking about a dude standing at the driveway, perfectly still, in like a black Grim Reaper costume, holding like a head in a basket on a chain, like dangling, and he stands perfectly still. So that you think he's not real. And there's like three other characters like in the driveway that are standing there like around a corn maze and stuff. So that you think they're all just like, like you know, like dolls or whatever, right? Like, I don't know, like some animatronic thing or whatever. And you walk up and they let you like walk between them and around them. And then they all start moving towards you because they're all just people. And, and, the, and the kids just lost it. Like, it just people, we could hear people screaming from our front porch. Like from a couple houses down, it's intense uh, in our neighborhood. But the girls loved it, and uh, they collected their first, uh, second, second for Marin and first for Bennett. The mm-hmm. the the, the Bassett's candy got home, dumped it on the table, had a field day, just shoveling it into her mouth. And you know, <laughs> after that, it was it was just hold on for dear life at home. <laughs> Mommy and Daddy were trying to keep the house Ooh, yeah. keep the house intact as the uh, sh- until the sugar wore off. Mace, how was uh, Halloween in your neck of the woods? People giving out BMWs. Um. <laughs> I wish. Um, no, it was cool. I um, how many people come to the door? I, I I don't know. It was, you know, because my my neighborhood is it's a it's a it's not a big neighborhood. It's not really. It's it's. I guess it's small relative to the other neighborhoods around me. Um, so you know, either you know, you got a few kids coming in. Um, I I don't know if all the kids were in the neighbor kid, neighborhood kids or. Not too many people. I don't think too many people are going to come outside of my neighborhood and come in because. Did you make sure your porch light was off? Get, you can't get in. Yeah, um, it's a gated community. Um, no, my porch light was on. I made. Did sure anybody my, come to knock? Yeah. Did you give out stuff? Oh, of course. Oh, man. Okay. I, the last couple of years, I've I love giving out candy. I oh, really do. I, 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 I had was, my bucket on the table, and the dogs were at the front door, just sitting at the front door. <laughs> and, you know, I'm watching some scary movies in the game. I know at the time, I was watching the hockey game, because right after that, I think the third, quarter, second, yeah, I went to bed. After, after like nine, nine something, I went to bed. But I had my, my bag, it came in, a little bowl of candy at the door, opened up the door. Trick or treat, Couple of, couple of kids fell inside the door because they were so close. Like, duh, 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 duh. I'm like, oh, get up, little man, get up. But you don't get. I don't think you get a lot of people in my neighborhood because on where I'm at, 
you got to go up a hill to get to my house. It's yeah, like that, a driveway. Right. You got to, and going up that driveway, I know, you know, some kids little, are little like, kids are not going to do that. Yeah, but you have some kids, you know, the parents would be riding around that golf cart, drop them off, and the kids are running, ah, get that tree, smell my feet, la, 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 la. And then you pass out the kind candy. Of university, what kind of university <laughs> you live in where you're driving your kid around in a golf cart to go trick or treating? Hey, man, I I'm so hard. wealthy. My kid went <laughs> trick or treating in a golf cart. Hey, I worked hard to live in that I neighborhood. I know you did. I know you did. Um, and, and not just like a golf cart, does it, it's probably one of those that has like the I, Cadillac on the front with no, like the, they, the these fake rims they, and stuff. Because they, you know, they golf right there on the golf course. So they, yeah, I gotta get on that regular, course. It's just regular golf carts, and I know, I know. you know, the kids. But it's funny, and it's it's, it's cool, and it's funny, and it's it kind of takes you back to when you were a kid. It's like, uh, and then some kids is like some kids, some kids reach in and grab a whole bunch, and oh, then the man. parents are like, no, 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 and I'm thinking like, no, take it all, please, yeah, really, <laughs> grab it all. That, and then sometimes and so, what I'm do you just, say, so what do you say? That's what's interesting because I have a lot of parents come to the door last uh-huh. night. They're like, I'll oh, just take one only, uh-huh. and I'm kind of like. No, 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 no. Take more. Get all of it because if you leave it here, I'm going to end up eating it. Exactly. And I have I'm like, no, no take more. Take more. Take more. But, but do you have to ask the parent, like, hey, is it okay if I give more? No, you just say take more. the parent more. doesn't want the kid to take more. Right? You know what I mean? Like, you have to be respectful with the parents asking the kid no, to take more. No, because too. my thing is this they will monitor it once they get to the house. That's true. You That's know, they'll say, oh, my little Joey, little <laughs> Becky, you can't have Becky this. And Joey. You know. Um, so oh, I'm like, I had it out. It's like, Look take it all. at the size of her candy. It's like, take it all. And I had the little candies. So <laughs> Look yeah. at her butt. And Becky, then one Becky. kid came up and said, hey. <laughs> I will say, Kevin Dyson's my he's he's my principal. <laughs> <laughs> he's like he's my, no they weren't talking about me. They were like, hey, you know Kevin Dyson, he's my principal. Oh, he I said he know you. I was like, yeah, Kevin and I. And then they started asking a whole bunch of questions. This was the funniest thing though. Before I get to it, because I uh, the first kid that came, I forgot to turn off my alarm because I usually just put on an alarm when I get in the house. So I forgot to turn off the alarm. Wait, wait, wait. You, you turn, like, when you're just at the house yeah, during I turn the day, my, you I turn, turn the alarm yeah, I turn my alarm as soon as I get How in the house. How scared are you? It ain't about it. Listen, this is what I say. People always say, well, why are you doing this? I say, no. This is where they come to breaking houses. They don't go to the mother neighbor. Yeah, they, but not a lot of people, home, though. It doesn't matter. This is where they come. <laughs> the professionals wait till the people are out This of the is house. where they come. So I turn my alarm on as soon as okay. I get in the house. I don't want nobody sneaking in the back window or nothing, and I don't hear it. So if they open up that back window, rear, 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 it's going off, okay? Note to self, don't rob Derek Mason when Derek Mason is at so, home. Or when I'm gone either, because I see you. Um, so... <laughs> I'm at the door and my alarm's going off, but the little kids in front of me, it's, you know how I say beep, 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 beep. And terrified. then it, it gives you times. And I'm sitting here, I'm talking to the kid. He don't hear it. He don't hear that it's kind of warning me, like, turn off the alarm, turn off the alarm. He doesn't hear me because he's just rambling. And I'm listening, like, yeah, 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 you're right, you're right, you're right. And I'm thinking, like, kid, Dude, I gotta leave, go. leave, leave. But I don't want to be rude to the kid. Yeah. So no. I let him finish his, what he got to say. And then like, I say, hey, see, you see, see, close the door. I get to That's easy. The dog's looking at me like, man, are you damn crazy? So I had to run and turn off the alarm. Hopefully the alarm oh. people didn't call. I'm looking at it. Please don't call. I'm still tripping off the fact that you have people riding around in golf carts. I had yeah. to walk blocks and blocks on trick or treat. And now you got people riding golf carts. Oh, yeah, they do it. Yeah. I can imagine it. The, the parents, way. not the kids. The kids don't ride in the golf carts. So, so the after the do. kids take mm-hmm. the candy, they basically were just like, take care. <laughs> Yes. Oh God. Well played. <laughs> Give me a break. Jesus. That's I ridiculous. love it. I love it. You I, I set just, that up gorgeously. I, love it. I, I do want to say just to just to give you some because I care about you, Derek, and mm-hmm. and to give you some peace of mind. Anybody that is capable of breaking into a house of your caliber 
is not coming while someone is there. They they know your schedule, and they're breaking in right now. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> they're breaking in right this they second. They don't know my schedule. Right about now, Mr. What, Mason is talking deal. Nashville Predators hockey. Let's go through the yeah. back door. Professionals case the joint. They know your daily schedule. And I'm just going to make everyone feel better about themselves real fast. As soon as they hear the wake-up call, it's like, all right, time to go. <laughs> Crowbar's up. <laughs> See, they can't get in. That's the problem. Oh, I, I, I'm sure. I, I'm sure your house is very well protected. Uh, it, it's. I will say this. Turning into a father and having kids that now are a little bit older to go do this, I will say that it's it's it is a little nostalgic, and I get like way more into talking to the other little kids now, which is something I never would have ever considered. Like I feel like an old dad being really cheesy that I'm like talking about there. Hey, well, what are you? You know, like you're doing the whole cheesy dad thing, and I'm like, man, I really enjoyed this. So why, well, then you and I, I have got to be like complete opposites. Why did I really enjoy this for the first time in my you're life? You're talking to other kids. I don't even want to talk to the other parents. Well, I don't want to talk to the parents. Like I, 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 talk to I like last night. I swear to God, my wife's talking to our girls, the other girls, their parents, and I'm just there, like walking along, looking at my phone, scrolling through Twitter. See, uh, you're you're talking about when they're tweeting or when they're trick or treating, right? Right, right. Yeah. So we, uh, in our in our neighborhood, there's no time for that. You're up okay. to the door and you're back. There's no time to to even have a communication. But at our house, when they came to our door, I was far more in, invested in like. You know, there's three little kids there. Like, I'd be like, I'd put on a show. Like, my wife's like, hey, you got to be more festive. And I was like, oh, okay. So I'm like, happy Halloween. What are you, little boy? And it's like, it's like I felt like what so cheesy. turning che- to Santa? I know. I felt so <laughs> cheesy about it. But then I got into it, and I was like, oh, my God, I'm so old and boring. Like, I'm mm-hmm. really I'm really into trying to make these little kids' afternoon, like, a really nice thing and a fun experience. And I was, I was like, oh, this is pretty cool. And then I realized how old and boring I was. <laughs> Yikes. All right, coming up next, we're going to get back into the Predators because another contract was handed down mid-game last night. David Poyle just giving out years, just giving out money. Give it away, give it away, give it away. We're back after this on Morning Drive. Yeah, uh, extremely. Um, it's a special day for, for me and my family. Um, you know, Obviously, at points last year there, I wasn't really um, quite sure of you know where my career was going or if it was going to continue. Um, so... Um, to have uh, some job security here, um, just super grateful for uh, you know <clears throat> the organization, the guys. Um, we've been through, uh, or I've been through a lot, and they've been through a lot with me. So um, you know, this is definitely a, a good day. That was Austin Watson last night, post game in the dressing room after the six five loss. But hey, Austin Watson's got nothing to feel bad about because last night. He put up four points, two goals and two assists, and the big news coming down during the actual broadcast of the game that the Predators and Austin Watson sign a three-year, $4.5 million contract. And clearly that's not a major contract when you put it right next to Roman Yossi's, but as Watson alluded to there in that clip, I mean, over the last year, year and a half, he certainly had a plenty, plenty of issues, a lot of personal demons uh, and I would, I would just guess. I would tend to assume he's righted the ship in his personal life, and he gets rewarded. Yeah, it's it's just you know it's it speaks volumes, um, and it tells me that the organization trusts you, trusts where you are at, trusts that you are using all the resources, uh, trusts that you are doing the things necessary to keep you on the path of you know, staying, you know, staying right and, 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 and making sure everyone and everything around you is right. So, you know, kudos to the Predators because you know, this time last year, I think everybody was unsure of what was going to happen. 
Um, and that's not a good, you know, as a player, that's not a good place to be in because, you know, it's not just you that you're worried about. It's your family. You know, if he's a single man or if he doesn't have a, you know, a wife or a girlfriend, or, you know, someone that he's been with for a long time that, that, you know, he's sharing a life with. When you don't have that, you tend to look at things a little bit different. But when you have other people that depend on you, um, your kids, your wife, and you're in a situation like that, man, it can be it can be nerve wracking. It can be something that you go home every day and think about uh, not having that security. So, you know, kudos to the Predators because they believe in, in, in what Austin Watson is doing. Um, it's sort of this redemption story for him. Uh, and and you just hope that he continues to do the things necessary um, to keep him in a place where, you know, first and foremost, his family's happy. And then, you know, that he's happy and, and the team is happy with him. Well, and, you know, the, the issues in, within the family are obviously well documented. So uh, we don't need to kind of go down that path. But the, the, the family, that's that's up to them to decide, right, how they how they handle each other and what they do uh, moving forward. I, you know, just talking hockey, um, he, he provides a skill set that they don't really have a lot of, um, which is a big physical body standing in front of the net. And, and so on the on, you know, on the ice, they don't have a lot of that. I, I echo your sentiments, Derek, on. You know, standing by a guy because clearly he and his significant other both had a lot of, you know, issues they needed to work through on this, um, just to make sure that 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 they are heading like like you said, it's not just it's not nerve wracking necessarily about the money. It's nerve wracking like every day dealing with your own personal issues, right? So to come through it this this however many months later now, and to be trusted enough to be given a three year five million, uh, essentially a five million. I know it's four point five million, which is one point five a year, but like. Uh, you know, someone basically is giving you five million bucks to play hockey. Uh, that's there's a lot of trust there in, in that, and you have to be prepared for that and 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 understand. I'm also assuming that comes with a lot of catches. I'm assuming that the that the contract and and the issues. Um, there's a lot of you need to do this. You need to clear this. You need to make sure you're doing this. There, there's going to have to be a lot of oversight, and that that makes total sense as well. So. Um, give both sides credit. Give Austin and his family credit for working through whatever they've got to work through and to be better for it, hopefully. And the Preds credit for sticking by a guy that could rehab, essentially, right, and, mm-hmm. and be better off. And, again, that's all really complicated off the off the ice stuff. That's just – it's hard for people that are not in the middle of it to, to truly understand it and, and to comment on it. But on the ice, he's, he provides something that they don't really have. And he played very well last night, of course um and and scored a bunch of goals so it, it's, it's something they don't have uh which is a six four you know stand in the dirty areas and do all the dirty work that that's what he he doesn't mind doing that and they don't have a lot of those guys all right before we transition to football we're going to get to the titans in the seven o'clock hour big one against the panthers josh ward will join us next uh, a couple of quick thoughts on both games last night uh, I'll go on the pro front. I mean, the 49ers 8-0, it wasn't pretty. They win by three. Arizona's not a great team, but I'm telling you right now, I just love the way the 49ers play football. I he, love their, the way they're built. Can I throw one more Pred stat out before we yeah, uh, yeah. talk about the 49ers? Um, this was uh, Jay, a friend of mine, actually, he's a friend of the show, uh, Jay Levin on Twitter tweeted this to Rex Road last night, and they were talking about this. Um, Mika Salamaki did not play last night. Let me just throw this out there. I, I didn't even notice. Let me just throw, yeah, yeah. You want, you, but you might need to. I wasn't on Mika watch. You want, you want to know why? <laughs> uh, in the eight games that he has not played in, 
They're eight, they're winless. The eight games he's not. Well, no, they're like eight, three, and two. Oh. Um, in the eight games, oh, this has, year. in the eight games he has not played in this year, they've given up thirty three goals. So that's more than four per game. In the eight games he's not played in, in the five games Mika Salamaki has played in, they've given up five goals. That's mm. one per game. So he's the MVP of the team. I'm not suggesting that Mika Salamaki is the reason. He's the Dennis Rodman of the team. But that is it's four and, a, and some change goals per game. They gave up five. It's the first game he hadn't played in a little while. He he didn't play last night. They gave up five goals. So the next time we rank our top five Preds, Mika mm. might crack the five. I'm just saying from now on, mm. I'm going to keep track of the goals against average me, when Mika's me, playing and when game. Mika's not playing. Get I'm him just in saying game. it's, worth, get it's worth monitoring. Get him in the game, damn it. See? We want Salamaki. There you we go. want Salamaki. That's Stillman's boy. Yeah, <laughs> I'm, I'm more like a I'm, I'm more like a prosciutto guy, but it's fine. Yeah, a little, little capicola. Yeah, I like it was spicy, mm, spicy capicola. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Love yeah. all the good Italian meats. Yeah. It's the only reason I lived in Philadelphia. I don't think Salamaki. My Italian. pores were clogged. Yeah, it's God. The, the meats are delicious in Philadelphia. So, real quick, uh, anything? I know you noticed something on the college front. Yeah, I just thought the the stand was. I mean, you got a seven and zero. You're Baylor. You're seven and zero. I know. You know, Waco's not a huge city, and it's not a huge fan base. There's only 42, 43,000 seats in that stadium last night. I just don't understand if you're a fan of a college football. Like, why did you not go to watch your favorite team play? I know it's a holiday, so I know the holiday affects kids and everything. Weeknight, okay, I get it. But you are, your team is 7-0. and The entire upper deck was almost all empty last night for Baylor-West Virginia. It was a close game. I just don't understand. Like, as your team gets better, there's only like nine teams that are undefeated right now in college football. If your if your team is seven and zero, why would you not go watch your team play? Yeah, I don't understand. I, I, listen, we rip on Vandy fans, right? And we'll give Vandy fans a hard time for not showing up and selling their tickets to Georgia fans and whatever. But if Vandy if Vanderbilt was seven and zero this weekend, I have a feeling there would at least be people at the stadium. Like, oh I'd like, yeah, I'd, I'd like to believe. And Baylor's been good in the past. It's not like they're you know they've been five and seven for the last twenty years. Like they've been competing for conference titles. So I know they had their whole s- scandal and everything, but. Up, upper deck completely, almost all empty on a seven and zero team against West Virginia, who's put had really good games against Baylor. I, I just thought that was a bad look. I don't mm. know. Okay, six one five seven three seven one zero two five. The number you can always tweet the show. Follow us at Twitter uh, on Twitter at one zero two five underscore md. We will come back and send it up to Knoxville. Our buddy Josh Ward from WNML will join us. We'll get you set for the Vols and UAB next on Morning Drive. Welcome back into Morning Drive, ESPN 102.5, the game. Nick Braden, D-Mace, and Marquise as we send it up to Knoxville and welcome in our buddy Josh Ward from WNML. Josh, how you doing, pal? Yeah, good morning. How are you guys? Good, good. Good to have you in. So, wanted to ask you from this standpoint with this game coming up, I feel like this week is all about how the Tennessee Volunteers handle success and prosperity coming off of a huge win against South Carolina. I'm very curious to know how they approached practice this week, what was their mindset for preparation? Because you can't sleep on UAB, they're 6-1. and one. I really want to see how they come out this week and see if they can build off of last week. Is that a, is that a storyline or a theme that you're kind of watching this week? I think it's a big one this week. Uh, the biggest storyline may have been quarterback situation just because of the injuries with uh, Brian Maurer and Jerry Garantano getting hurt this past week. But big picture with the team, yeah, I think it's how Tennessee handles its recent success with getting wins against Mississippi State and South Carolina and everybody starting to feel a lot better about things, but still Tennessee having a lot to do in the month of November. Tennessee still has to go 3-1 and one to get to a bowl game, which I think it should be able to do. 
but if it messes around against UAB, the Georgia State game did happen this season. And players talked about that this week, that the Georgia State game uh, was a wake-up call, and how could it not be? But that that should help them. This was early in the week. That should help them get prepared for this UAB team, which should be a better opponent or a tougher opponent than Georgia State was. So with a team that's a little banged up, Tennessee's dealing with some injuries up front on the offensive and defensive lines. Uh, I think they were a little bit lighter in in physical preparation on the practice field, but in terms of meetings and uh, the discussion leading up to the game, Tennessee was not close to uh, being prepared as it should have been for the Georgia State game. I think that will be different this weekend. Talking about the lines of scrimmage, Josh, how do you feel about the progress that both lines of scrimmage have made over the course of the season? They're definitely better. Uh, Tennessee has gone into the most recent games where they've been able to at least hold their own, and there's still a lot of work that needs to be done. I think on the offensive line, what's really helped is that Brandon Kennedy has become a solid player for them at center, and Trey Smith has continued to take steps to play at a high level at guard, and, and that has helped there with the interior as they've until this past weekend, been able to stabilize a five the last few weeks. They dealt with some injuries. Darnell Wright had to go out, and I think there's a good chance he doesn't play this week. But they did get Riley Locklear back. He's a veteran. Jameer Johnson has been kind of in and out. But they're, they're better at shuffling guys around because I think they're deeper with that position group. Uh, I, you know, I, don't, I can't say that they're a top half of the league offensive line, but they're, they're not dreadful like they were a year ago, and that can make a big difference with the offense. Since he took some shots down the field last week, because I think they felt comfortable that the offensive line would be able to protect against a, a South Carolina defense that has some solid guys up front. On the flip side, Tennessee's defensive line has clearly improved in its ability to create pressure. You know, Daryl Taylor's playing at a high level, and he wasn't at the beginning of the season. He called himself out after the first month of the season. He's played better since then. But also players like Matthew Butler, Kavon Bennett, they've stepped up and, and been able to – uh, cause more problems as well for opposing offenses, which you know, that probably goes. There's probably a correlation there with what they're doing and what Daryl Taylor is able to do. They get Latrell Bumpus back. It looks like this week, and he's a guy that's developed as the season has gone along. So I think it's a numbers game. At the beginning of the season, there were a lot of guys to talk about, but we didn't know how many could actually play effectively. Now a lot of those guys are are being uh, are, are contributing more and playing at a higher level for Tennessee. Now, looking at the three quarterbacks, and I know Jared Garantano, he was playing well until he broke his um, non-throwing um, wrist last week, and I assume that you know he's not going to take any snaps this week based upon his injury. But put the injury aside, uh, if you look at the three quarterbacks, I know Brian Maher would have probably more than likely been a starter, but take away that Alabama play, um, and if – Garantano was healthy. Is he the starter? Because he still, to me, he still gives you the best opportunity to win. Yeah, he might be. I think it would be him or or Maurer with both of them planning to play. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's been a weird month at quarterback for Tennessee, not just because of what happened in September and then Jared Garantano loses his job, but you know, Maurer started three games and had to leave each game because of injury. And then Garantano, he didn't start this past week, but. He, he was almost a starter because of the way that he played and how, how much he was in the game. He has to leave for injury. It's four straight weeks that Tennessee has lost a player at that position because of injury, and you know, not really because of the offensive line in this case, but last week maybe. But um, you know, w- with Garantano, you're right. You, the, the Alabama play is a big one, and it got so much attention last week. But overall, Garantano's play at quarterback has been much better. Not elite, 
mm-hmm. but he's taken care of the football. Those those odd interceptions that he was throwing in September, he has not done this month. He was nearly perfect against Mississippi State. He had some big plays against South Carolina. He was able to help Tennessee drive down the field against Alabama and didn't play much against Georgia. So Garantano's been much better uh, the last month. He's been much closer to what Tennessee thought he would be back in August before the season began when Jeremy Pruitt was saying we have one starter and that's a quarterback. And that's why it's a shame that he suffers that hand injury because I think Jeremy Pruitt has found confidence again in what Jarrett can do within the offense. And then, yeah, I don't think he's playing this week. If it is, it's probably an emergency situation, which they might have to be prepared for considering how the last few weeks have gone. But I think they want to give him some more time to get that hand healed up. And then depending on how the freshman quarterbacks play, Maurer and J.T. Shrout, uh, we'll see what Garantano's role could be in the final three weeks of the season. Josh, when Jawan Jennings' playing days are over for the Tennessee Volunteers, when he returns to Knoxville, is he ever going to have to pay for a meal again? Yeah, I wouldn't think so. Uh, he's he's one of the guys where if if it's two years from now, with the name, image, likeness stuff gets figured out, he he would be finding some opportunities as a current player. Uh, the the level of uh, legend, I guess, with Juwan just continues to grow, and yeah, for him, let's see what he does in the final month because he he was incredible this past Saturday. He's doing a number of things. I I think he's a great story with where he was in his life two years ago and the impact he's made since then uh, for Tennessee's football program, and then just the development that he's made. So uh, fans love him, and they should. The way that he plays is how fans I think hope all players will go out there and play the game. And uh, if Tennessee is able to get to the postseason this year and if the program's able to take off over the next couple of years, fans are going to continue to look back at Juwan's performance this year and say he was a big part of it. And that's, of course, building on the, the Hail Mary catch against Georgia, uh, the catch against Florida a few years ago. He, he has a number of big-time plays that fans are going to be talking about for a long time. Uh, Josh, give me give me the, the final four games here and, and tell me what you think happens and how, how does – maintaining this momentum is the most important thing for Jeremy Pruitt. So what, what did the last four games look like? Yeah, it really is. Uh, Tennessee has uh, two on the road, two at home. The, the ones at home, they just have to win. They have to beat Bandy, this, uh, Bandy at the end of the season, and they have to beat UAB this upcoming weekend. I think that's pretty obvious. And then uh, I would say that the likely scenario is that you split with Kentucky and Missouri. Missouri's won all season. I've been saying, yeah, you're, you're probably just not going to get that one. Now let's see where – Kelly Bryant is physically. Let's see what happens after they play Georgia and Florida. I have said this week. I think seven and five is more likely than five and seven. Am I prisoner of the moment though? Uh, very, very possible. I think Kentucky's going to be a little tougher than uh, fans might expect. The Wildcats are off this week, so to me that might actually be the tougher of the remaining four, which I didn't necessarily expect to be the case. So I think three and one is probably your most likely scenario, just with how things play out. Tennessee needs to take care of business this weekend. If, if that's the case. I think that'll be a sign that, that Tennessee mentally is good to go in the final three SEC games. You get to a bowl game, 6-6 six and six would not be what fans wanted back in August, but at the end of September, they would have absolutely taken it, and you can build on that heading into, into uh, 2020. Josh, great insight as always. We appreciate the time. We'll chat again next Friday. You got it. Thanks a lot, guys. You got it. Josh Ward from WNML in Knoxville. We'll stay on the college front when we come back. Elimination game, the cocktail party, next on Morning Drive. It is Morning Drive, ESPN 102.5. The game will get to the big one, an elimination game in the SEC East. I, along the lines of the uh, of Bone there, uh, November 1st, boys, college football is different in November. Just want to point out, last month of the regular season. Are we sure it's November 1st this morning, though? Uh, Feels like January 1st. Yeah. Um, it, wouldn't it be colder in Philly? It feels like Philadelphia. Okay. Yeah. 
it, it's which I'm not happy about. Okay. I thought Nick gonna, was going to come in here in a gonna scully be, jacket. It's going to be in the 50s in November today. I don't really know if you can complain too much. But anyway, the um, point is that it's November, and college football gets real in November. And so the calendar has turned. So happy November, everybody. The first of the month, of course. That means college football is real. And along the lines of Tennessee, we'll get to Florida and Georgia in just a second. Uh, I, real quickly on Tennessee, you've built momentum. You've built optimism. You've built hope over the last month if you're, if you're Jeremy Pruitt and the Tennessee Vols. You cannot afford, at this stage of year two, after losing bad games early, you cannot afford to give it all back. Because there's a chance that if you do that, meaning, meaning you go two and two or one and three down the stretch, and you do not get to a bowl game, and you finish with a as bad or worse season you know, record-wise as last year, you may never ever get it back. So you think it, he it, goes then into year three with really... With no equity with the fan base, basically, I, I, you're short of a miracle. You're 100 percent on the hot seat. Now, it doesn't right. mean he wouldn't. It doesn't mean he wouldn't do well in that situation, and then all of a sudden figure out a way to win seven or eight games, and you know the fan base is happy, and you've shown progress in year three. There, you're just squarely on the the. You know, getting fired was not an option in year two. Getting fired is clearly an option in year in year three, and if you give all this equity back in the final month, all, all the momentum you've built to this point of the season it goes out the window. If you if you you know sure you beat UAB let's say you lose to Kentucky and Missouri and and you play Vanderbilt you know you beat Vanderbilt are people going to be excited about five and seven like I, I don't I don't know so um, I I think again this is just a critical stretch for Jeremy Pruitt it, it, this is career defining stuff in the last th- th- four weeks of the season here the last four games for Tennessee you win four of them you win three of them I think people are very they, mm-hmm. they get it there's progress there's buy in. You can believe in the progress. You can say, "Man, if we just made one play against BYU, you might we might have won eight games." You know, like you can you can start to see the, the the clouds parting a little bit. But man, if you give it back in this last month, you may never get it. You may never you may never get it back. So um, just you got to build on the momentum, and and it's it's how critical it is against UAB tomorrow. It starts starts there. Not sure about you boys, but I am totally fired up and all in on Florida Georgia tomorrow. You know, elimination game. And I, I'm wondering, much like I asked Josh about the psyche of Tennessee and how you handle success and prosperity, I feel like Florida Georgia is two different stories. Like if I'm Kirby Smart to get my, and you shouldn't have to get your guys motivated, but I'm selling the hey, people are forgetting about us since the South Carolina game. People are down on us. Sure. If if I'm Dan Mullen in Florida, and obviously you're already going to be up for for Georgia. I'm telling my guys, dude, we've been through two wars already with Auburn and LSU. Let's just go out and play ball today. Um, yeah, you could tell them that they might be beat up because of those two games. Well, they're um, they're getting healthier now because um, so, of the bye week. They get Grenard and Tony back this week, so they'll be healthier than like they've I, been in a long time. I, I genuinely love Florida this week. Um, I, I'm, like, I'm, that's my pick. I'm, I'm with you, Georgia. I mean, it's just you look at Georgia, and, and by all me, uh, metrics, I mean offensively, defensively, uh, they are from an offensive standpoint, their numbers are not too far off from what they were last oh, year. They're good. And they yeah. had they had better players last year. There were older players, and, and that team had been together for a few years. So you look at their numbers offensively and defensively, and they're basically they're the same, really. But for some reason, they just don't look like the same team. Yeah. Uh, I, I can't put my finger on it. Fromm doesn't look like the same quarterback for some reason. Not that he's he's playing horrible. He just doesn't look like he's taking another step. Like you look at yep. you look at all the guys from last year, minus Trevor Lawrence, because I think 
he looks different from the standpoint of I think he's taking more chances. He believes more in his arm, so that's going to cause him to throw more interceptions. But you look at Tua, you look at um, um, Joe Burrow, you look at some of these other quarterbacks. They just look different from Hurts, what they did. Hurts. Fields. They look different from well, what they but, did but last think, year. Remember what and I Fields said back in August or in July at media days. From. Where everybody said how great the Georgia offensive line is, which they are. And I brought up Ridley, Nauta, Nicole Hardman, Holy, all those skill players that Fromm lost. Everybody at media days, oh, they're just going to be fun. Jake Fromm threw for thirty yards. So did, has Fromm regressed, well, or is he just doesn't have, doesn't have the playmakers I, around him? I, don't don't blame media days. You can blame me. Um, I, I'm probably the one. That it was, was you? Well, me, media days largely. I thought it was uh, Seth. Uh, who's the guy for the athletic mo- that covers Georgia? Seth Emerson. Yeah. Um, mo- most everybody was asking the same question you were asking, and rightly so, because you just rattled, yeah. rattled off all the names. Now, Mecole Hardman's probably the only one that really, truly was a difference maker. The other guys did not were not o- o- overly used in the Georgia offense. So I was the one saying, I think it's overblown, the loss of all the skill players, because I think they're going to be fine. Now, they, they're playing a, a bunch of freshmen, and they get um, – who, they get the the big receiver back t- this week. Uh, uh, Holloway. They get the well, no, it's uh, oh crap. I'm I'm pulling a a, a a total mind melt right now. They're getting one of their best receivers back this week. He's a young kid, the freshman who made the big play against Notre Dame. Um, he's back um, this week. They're 11th in the nation in yards per play on offense, so they're mm-hmm. top 12 offense in the country. They're ninth in the country in defense. They're number <laughs> they're number one. In almost every major defensive statistical category in the SEC, which is not necessarily what was expected. So, to your point, Derek, like they're playing, their numbers are just as good, but they just don't look like they're mm-hmm. playing good football. To your point, Nick, about Florida, Florida looks like it's playing better football right now, and, mm-hmm. and that just in a really vague sort of general description. But it's Florida, Georgia, so you have no idea what's going to happen. Georgia could win by thirty, or Florida could win by thirty, and I don't think anybody would be surprised by anything. Um, it, it, it has not been a close game. I don't think it's been a one-score game since like 2013. It's not been a close game, but it's but both sides have won. My my quick analysis of the matchup is, you know, every position group is probably better for Georgia than it is for Florida, with the exception of the receiving core. Mm-hmm. Florida has a far better receiving core yep. than Georgia, but probably you would take Georgia's personnel at every other position including even corner, which is really good for Florida. And and that, to me, that gives Georgia the heavy edge. Here's the other thing to consider. Dan Mullen, to me, is a step-on-your-throat, steal-your-soul head football coach during games. And Kirby Smart coaches puckered in big games. Yeah, that he's there, very conservative. There could be a difference in the coaching style in this game, and that could also be the difference as well because trying to predict what happens in a Georgia-Florida game is – you're going to go insane. You I think guess. Kirby's just going to try to run the ball and lean on his defense? I mean, that's his. That's sort of his mo right now. That's the identity of this team so far. Um, but Florida, these, both these teams are healthier today than they were two weeks ago by a large margin. So both, like health, should not be a factor because Florida's getting healthier and so is Georgia. Uh, I, I just, I think Jake Fromm deserves to be turned loose a little bit more, and he did that against Tennessee, but. Otherwise, he kind of hasn't. They they didn't against South Carolina. They didn't, you know. Again, it just he's just to your exactly what you said, Derek. He just doesn't. He's not. Maybe it's confidence. I don't know. He just doesn't look like the same guy. Just just think about this. I was I was just looking at it because I thought about it, man. Jake Fromm, his, his numbers, man, they are just pedestrian. I mean, considering it's Georgia and it's Jake Fromm, he. And this is and and we and and UT fans are complaining about Jared Garantano. 
their numbers are almost identical. I think Jared might have more passing yards. Their numbers are almost like he has two less interceptions than Jake Fromm, and he has one more touchdown than Jake Fromm. <laughs> Just think about that. And UT fans, can they complain about Garantano. Well, a lot of it is because of that play against Alabama. But if you look at both quarterbacks, mm-hmm. if you take the names off of, off the back of the jersey, well, you take the jerseys off of both guys. Just do blind resume? Just blind resume. You would say, well, isn't Garantano, he, I don't know, he might look like the better quarterback, or they might look equal. That is crazy because when we think of Jake Fromm. Well, let's play role reversal real quick. If Jake Fromm and Jared Garantano flip schools right now, would Jake Fromm be a disaster at Tennessee? No, I don't think I don't so. Think no. it, Jake Fromm is the better player, but your point is totally valid. I'm just like, saying based upon numbers. Right. Just. So, yeah, so so Fromm has a slight – I mean, basically they're dead even in quarterback rating, to your point, Derek. 152 for Fromm, 146 for Garantano, so basically the same. Nine touchdowns, ten touchdowns. Garantano's got yeah. more. Um, one more interception. It, they basically – 8.1 8. yards per attempt mm-hmm. for both of them, which is actually pretty good for both of them. Uh, Fromm has a much higher completion percentage at seventy uh-huh. percent versus sixty, but they're basically statistically, you know, they've been about the same. Now, Garantano's played one more game, mm-hmm. so you got to consider that um, as far as the production, the, the, the counting stats go. But I still think Fromm would be a far better. Like if if you told me Tennessee had Jake Fromm for every game, I, I think Tennessee probably has an extra win or two. Yeah, I know. I, I think like, I think you know. I think Jake Fromm is the better quarterback. Yeah, but just he's a microcosm. Of his team, yeah. they're eight. They're seven and one, but they don't feel like a seven and one team. They feel yeah. like if you didn't, if you didn't know, you you would think, man, they lost two, two or three games. Yeah. That's the way it look. That's the way it feels with Georgia. But then you look at the metrics. You look at the. Yeah. This is a damn good team. The defense. I think no one expected Kirby to rebuild the front seven mm-hmm. very, very as fast as he did. Because again, they they're leading the SEC in like they're either first, second, or or whatever in almost every major category defensively. Mm-hmm. So defensively, they're very good. Um, they're right up there with Florida, so in, in Auburn. So it's going to be fascinating to watch. I, I, again, it's Florida, Georgia. We're going to rail on Georgia in this segment and be like, "Oh, look at all these problems and Fromm's this and Fromm's that," and and like the, Georgia will go win by thirty. Like that, that's how this game works. You just have no clue what's going to happen. So I, I'm with you, Nick. I cannot wait because it just has, it just has total unknown written all over it. Do you remember uh, t- uh, 2007, the cocktail party when Georgia scored their first touchdown? And this Rick a, sent the whole players off the sideline oh, yeah, to celebrate. Yeah, yeah. It was the whole team got in, got the penalty. <laughs> they and, all got flagged. And Tebow didn't Tebow come back and win that game? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Way to go, Mark Richt. Yeah, he's a pretty good coach, although not in good health right now. Hope you're okay, Mark Richt. Oh yeah, yeah. That's just, heart you know, attack. Yeah, wild. All right, coming up next: Titans, Panthers. Who wins and why? We're going to tell you after this on Morning Drive.